0: Well, a couple of weeks ago, we scheduled Brigadier General Amir Avivi for JM and the AM. He is the um, CEO and founder of Habit Chonistim. We never thought that the timing of this uh, scheduled interview would be as incredible as it is. What is Habit Chonistim? It's Israel's Defense and Security Forum, a not-for-profit and a movement which aims to educate, influence, and shape the narrative about Israel's strategic national security needs. In order to create a secure Israel for today and the future, um, the the, uh, Habitronistim was founded. Um, They started in February of 2020. They've experienced explosive growth since its inception with a membership that consists of over 1,700 high-ranking Israeli reserve officers, commanders, and operators from the IDF, Mossad, Shin Bet, and Israeli police, as well as some of Israel's leading academics, and researchers. Again, the CEO and founder is Brigadier General Amir Avivi. He is with us live via telephone. General, Shalom, welcome to JM in the AM.
1: Shalom, thank you for having
0: me. A pleasure to speak to you. Um, because of the news that we are hearing from 6,000 miles away, I feel the only way to start this conversation is to get an update whatever you might know about the current situation that our brothers and sisters are going through in Israel.
1: Well, the current situation is that in the past uh, couple of days, uh, we have seen uh, riots all over Israel, in Jerusalem, mostly also in uh, cities that are mixed, Arabs and Jews, uh, like uh, Lod, uh, Haifa, in the Galilee, in the Negev, in 'er Beersheba. And uh, also, we have seen uh, a huge amount of rockets being shot at the beginning. It started with uh, rockets being shot on Jerusalem. On, on the day of Jerusalem, Hamas uh, shot uh, rockets towards Jerusalem, then started shooting around uh, the towns around Gaza, Spread the shooting to Ashkelon, Ashdod, and uh, yesterday, since yesterday, more than 800 rockets uh, were shot to the area of Tel Aviv, mostly at night, at 3 a.m. at night, uh, Israel time. Uh, The IDF is uh, fiercely attacking Hamas installations. I've managed to uh, hit. Many commanders uh, of the Hamas and installation tunnels, rocket launchers, and and so on. But still, uh, the capabilities Hamas has uh, are large have been built in many years. And the fight at the moment uh, continues.
0: Brigadier General Amir Avivi is with us. We pray for the safety and security of our brothers and sisters in Israel. We pray for the IDF and the IAF to deter and to destroy the enemy. Before I ask you about the opinion uh, that Habit Honestim, um has regarding this and other security issues, can you describe for us the number of installations that the enemy has when Israel, as you just said, is trying its hardest to take out rocket launchers, uh, launch pads and areas that are designated uh, for those rockets to be launched at Israel? How many installations, how many locations could we be talking about?
1: Well, you know, since the 80s, we have moved from a danger of throwing stones on soldiers to a situation where after Oslo, after we left the major cities in Gaza and later on also did the disengagement, which basically a part of the fact that we threw from their homes 6,000 Jews we connected Gaza to Egypt. Now, at the time, I was aide the camp. I was the personal assistant of the chief of staff. We heard about the, the idea of disengagement in the news, which is pretty amazing by itself. And, and then we had a cabinet meeting, and the uh, Prime Minister Sharon said, okay, I decided to disengage completely from Gaza. What is your assessment? And uh, Bogie, the chief of staff, at the time, he said to him, listen, if you connect Gaza... To Egypt, in one year, Gaza will become Hamas, Al Qaeda, and Hezbollah. This is what he said to him. Then Prime Minister asked uh, the head of uh, Shabak, the Shimbet, it was Dichter at the time. He said exactly as Bogie is saying this is what is going to happen. And Sharon said, I'm going forward with this plan. Who knows for what reasons? And, and this is what happened. Within one year, Hamas took control. We lost control of Gaza and freedom of operation as we have in Judea and Samaria. And since then, they built a capability of 50,000 rockets, which are, which are getting better and better. Today, they cover all Israel. And the rockets are getting uh, more sophisticated, with bigger warheads, a more precise. And what uh, we see now is rockets that are much, much better than the rockets we saw in 2014 or before that. And this is why uh, if the uh, Iron Dome doesn't intercept them and they hit the building, uh, the effect is uh, very, very big. Now, the way they, they put the rockets on the ground, they take these 50,000 rockets, and put them in more than a 1,000 underground installations spread all over the Gaza Strip, under buildings, in fields, and so on. It's very, very hard to know exactly where they are. They're underground. Each Mm -hmm. one is by itself with its own munition. And then they know that once they shoot, we'll see it. So basically it's a one-time shoot.
0: Yeah, understood. Uh, Brigadier General Amir Avivi is with us. It's amazing to me that you, as somebody um, who has served and continues to serve in such prominent positions in the IDF, are telling us that decisions of 16 years ago led to terrible things happening to our brothers and sisters multiple times, including 2014 and including today. I must ask you, and I'm sorry to go to history before I talk about what's happening right now, but I must ask you, did every did every person in that room at that meeting, IDF people, Shabak people, etc., everybody consulted, I assume police representatives were in there as well, did everybody agree with the position that you just told us about? Or, or as we're led to believe, is it a, a real debate? Is there a real 50-50 split at that time in Israeli defense leadership about whether disengagement's a good idea or not?
1: Well, talking about the heads of uh, uh, at the time who were relevant, the chief of staff of the IDF and the head of Shin Bet. These are the two right. relevant guys that represent the big organizations that deal with Gaza. Right. They said the same thing. This is terrible. Shouldn't be done anyway. But what happens then? And this has to do a lot with the Bitcoinist team. What happens then is. That uh, Sharon, a month later, fired Bogie. Right. He brought Haluf. Right. Probably told him, listen, Haluf, if you want to be chief of staff, you do exactly what I say.
0: Go with the program, right?
1: Yeah. So what happened then was unbelievable. The same big idea that said a month before that this is going to be a catastrophe, once Haluf stepped in office, Uh, The narrative changed completely, and and the IDF adopted the narrative of Sharon that that, uh, was completely false and said, if we do that, Gaza will become Singapore. (sighs) And it's not only that they they embraced it talking about it, but the whole deployment (laughs) the IDF did around Gaza after the disengagement was a deployment of peace really, really uh, adopting the idea that Gaza will actually be um, uh, Singapore. So the installations were built for peace. No they, fortification, nothing.
0: Right. They controlled the... Na- and the they controlled-
1: uh, Wait, wait. And most amazingly, we had a division around Gaza. They started working on a plan diminishing from a division to a brigade. They, so my lesson is, don't trust anybody who gets paid by the government. Don't trust anybody who whose promotion is dependent on the government. We need an organization such a bit team that are devoted only to one thing, to this the security of Israel. Security yeah. of Israel in the long term. We don't get a paycheck from from the government. We don't owe anything to anyone but to the people of
0: Israel. Brigadier General Amir Avivi is the CEO and founder of Habit Honistim. Let me spell this for you folks because if you don't know how to spell it, you're not going to find it. We went through that experience. It's H-A-B-I-T-H-O-N-I-S-T-I-M. Habit Chonistim. H-A-B-I-T-H-O-N-I-S-T-I-M. It's Israel's Defense and Security Forum. Well, they controlled the narrative. They controlled the narrative at that point, as you described, and they acted upon it. They acted, you know, in the same fantasy that people both here in Israel and in so many places now in the world are acting, you know, in total fantasy land about so many important issues, frankly, especially when it comes to public safety. Um uh, a general um we're we're always under the impression well, we're under two impressions. One is we're always told that you know, if you're with the military, you know you're going to have quote unquote right wing hawkish leanings. That's one thing we're always told, but then we're also told that when it comes to the Israeli military and those who are retired or those who serve in the reserves, et cetera, you'll find. You know, many people on one side of the issue, like you just described, you know, understanding how ridiculous the disengagement was, as an example, and you'll find plenty of people who are military people in Israel who are on the, you know, other side of the issue, who want to take the Sharon or Barak or whatever approach you want to call it. Is that accurate, or the majority of your colleagues, you would say, would essentially agree with your message?
1: I think it's a matter of generations. When, when you look at the generation, uh, one generation? Above me, I, I'm 52 years old. And uh, when you look at uh, uh, an organization like CIS, that is an organization composed of Israeli generals uh, that thinks we we could we should completely disengage from the Jordan Valley uh, and and Samaria, just as we did in Gaza. Right. These guys are an old generation, they fought the young people war, which is very different from the wars we have today and the problems we have today. Uh, Most of them are uh, members of Kibbutzim and grew uh, in the left of Israel, and and this is uh, like an, an old elite group, my generation of young generals, commanders, field commanders is completely different we are the ones that had to dealt with oslo have to, have to have to deal with Hezbollah. we are the ones who fought in Gaza and had to deal with all these decisions that have been made throughout the years that endangered the people of Israel and our soldiers so we we and we are full of energy we are a really uh, full of energy in defending Israel. We're not tired.
0: Do you do you fear that twenty years from now <laughs> you you might get tired and, and, and change your mind about certain things?
1: No, because we have the right values. We have spirit and you know spirit never words. Yeah, that's it's true. It's not like physics, it's spirit. Yeah and we have a very very strong uh, zionist uh, spirit we 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 many of us you no know, some of us are religious most of us are not secular but we are deeply connected to our roots we are deeply connected to judaism we are deeply connected to this land and we are the i would say really the, the new pioneers uh, of Israel just as the pioneers we had a hundred years ago.
0: I, I apologize for, for continuing to go back to this, and we're going to talk more about today in a moment, but is that what happened to Sharon? Did he get old? Is that what happened to Sharon and Rabin? They got tired and and changed their mind about certain things?
1: I think that uh, Sharon, um, what drove him is the fact that he he, he was uh, deeply implicated in uh in uh, uh, an, an event uh, that would have probably sent him to jail. Right. By the way, his son went to jail. Right. His son, Omri. Right. And uh, he felt that this is his way to, to get out of this uh, situation. I think it was a personal thing. I don't buy even for a minute that he believed that what he did was made, made any sense.
0: Wow. Imagine, um, ima- imagine putting the lives of our brothers and sisters in Israel in danger because of a personal matter like that. Amazing.
1: Yeah, and talking about Rabin, Rabin, even the, until his last day, he had very good sense of what Israel needs, talking about security. Many of the things, by the way, we in the Beconist believe uh, are pretty much aligned with the uh, Robin and his predecessors uh, of Ma- of Mapai, they were very hawkish, by the way. Right. Very, very of course. Of course. hawkish at the time. Then right. gurion Golda and so on. Sure. But I think that he, he was deceived by Perez. And Perez led uh, with this group... Uh, the way they, they they dealt with Oslo was, was a disaster right. a complete disaster and and I believe that if Robin would have lived more he would have reversed this decision he was he started talking about that it's a, just, He understood that he was deceived
0: yeah yeah it's interesting all right the, when you're here please God the next time you visit New York and you're sitting across from me please God we'll talk more about that era because you just brought up some very very interesting historical uh, subjects that we need to explore. Um, so we spoke about today, and we spoke about the situation in Israel, and obviously you described to us the roots of it. Why is Habit Honistim important? As- aside from appearing here in a forum that we're, where most people uh, uh, agree with your approach, uh, why is it important to formally um, uh, organize a group of army people um, uh, and Shabak people, etc.? to get out there, to speak to the media, to publish booklets and books. Why is this important to be an organized effort like this?
1: Well, you know, we are a nation of uh, 4,000 years that had only about 830 years of sovereignty in uh, the land of Israel. We were expelled twice from our land. We spent 2,000 years in the diaspora, and nobody ensures that it won't happen again. And until we were established, there was not a single organization in Israel or in the Jewish world that dealt with one main question. How do we ensure in the long term the security and prosperity of Israel and the Jewish people? This is the only thing we are dealing with. And we are looking in the long term. We're not talking about what will happen in the next 10 years, 20 years, or 100 years. We're talking about generations. This kind of, of thinking simply didn't exist before we established this organization. This is one thing. The other thing is we want to shape reality. We want to educate the young generation, take a complex issue like national security, simplify it for the general public, in Israel and in the Jewish communities, have these talks and and help people understand what do we need, how do we survive, how do we make sure that we'll be around in this tough neighborhood. Now we can easily, as we saw with Gaza, in one moment take a decision that could could bring us on the verge of extinction. And it almost happens more than once. So it really needs a long-term vision and a long-term process of education, of education of the public and the young generation, but also dealing with decision-makers, with Knesset members, with Europe, with congressmen and senators and so on, and shaping the reality towards a secure Israel.
0: Um, I know that the only I, I think I'm right. The only way that your organization exists is through donations. Am I right about that?
1: Yes, you are perfectly right.
0: Well, first of all, I want to tell you, I just made a donation a moment ago as you were speaking because anybody who's con- wow, thank anybody, you very much. anybody who's committed to the future of the Jewish people, anyone who realizes that the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel, anyone who's concerned, about every life that is being lost this week and those who are being injured this week because of what the enemy is doing, I think that uh, you deserve support. And I just supported you a moment ago and I'm going to remind our listeners as I ask my next question to please support the work of Habit Honistim, Israel's Defense and Security Forum. Again, I'm going to show you or I'm going uh, to outline exactly how to find them on the web. habithonistim.com H-A-B-I-T H-O-N I-S-T-I-M dot com. Go to that website and give generously. Um, We worry all the time about the next generation. We get further away from Hakamat Medina. We get further away from Yom Yerushalayim. We wonder, you know... Will the rabbis be telling their congregants? Will the rabbayim be telling their students? Will the teachers be telling their students? Will we be telling our children and grandchildren about the miracles of 1948 and 1967 and so many other miracles? I'm sure you could tell us miracles that happened in Israel this week under the barrage. By the way, Iron Dome is a miracle. I'm sure you agree with that. As as ridiculous as it is that we need it, you know, based on what happened 16 years ago, but that's also a miracle. Uh, that was done by... That's
1: so all right. I must tell you that living in Israel, you see miracles every day. Yeah. Every day in this country, you see miracles. <sighs> it's amazing, especially for somebody who served 30 years in the army.
0: 3-0. 3, zero, One big thir- 30, three, zero.
1: three zero, 30 years of military service, mostly in the field in combat.
0: You, you, must, you must go to sleep at night thanking God that you're alive after that experience.
1: Yeah, and, and I can tell you that when I commanded 800 soldiers in uh, the first fighting in Judea and Samaria uh, during the 2002 operation, and we finished two years of fight without a single soldier being killed, to me this was a miracle.
0: General Avivi, one of the, th- you know, I I now have adult children, and I have adult children who care a lot about Israel, as much as anybody who lives in the United States can. Maybe, maybe it's because of their parents and grandparents that they're so concerned about Israel, and they get very frustrated with the the way the media portrays Israel. They get very frustrated with the United Nations. They get very frustrated with the the Hollywood stars that that look at this week's events and feel that they have a right to comment about Israel's reaction to being bombarded by rockets. Can you give us a uh, can you give us a boost, a little morale booster for those especially in the next generation that are so despondent that they're always under that they're always on the defensive when it comes to Israel?
1: They need not they need not, not to be under defensive. This is the land of Israel, the land of the Jewish people. We have an historical, religious right to be We have, even according to the international law, this is the land of Israel. And and Israel always, always uh, acts in the most moral way, the IDF. We are always righteous. We always uh, act defensively to defend our people. We never do harm to anybody if we are not attacked. And uh, in what is going now? It, it's the best example. I mean, uh, there is a strategic decision of the Hamas and the Israeli Arabs who follow Hamas to try and uh, basically create a national fight, our national Arabs fight against Israel and against the Jewish people. Uh, they always look for an excuse. It's always the same excuse, some blood label about uh, Temple Mount uh, or two or three houses, Jewish houses in uh, Sheikh Jarrah. And it's important for the audience to understand this is merely excuses. They always find excuse and unfortunately, we have Israelis and also Jews who Buy these excuses and blame us and not the people who, in the first hand, just uh, look for an excuse to attack us. Mm -hmm. So there is always an excuse, and once they do, we, we of course, do everything needed to defend the people of Israel.
0: Brigadier General Amir Avivi is with us. Habit Chonistim. We are highly recommending that everyone support their work. Habit Chonistim. Um... I don't know if this is your area of expertise, but you've essentially proven this morning that you have a lot of areas of expertise. Um, aside from the rockets, excuse the way I say that, uh, we are learning of riots that are taking place in areas that have, uh, Jewish and Arab neighborhoods essentially overlapping, if not overlapping, certainly next to each other in places like Lud, et cetera. You mentioned it earlier. Um, is there it seems that those might be harder to control than the Israeli defense system of Iron Dome, which you know has somewhat of a control over the rocket situation. What can you tell us about what happens in situations like this when the army is called in to try and control internal riots?
1: So first of all, you are right. I, I must say that what's happening inside Israel is a far greater strategic threat than Gaza, especially in the long term. And at the moment, uh, these riots, and I would say even pogroms, because in Israel we're starting to talk about pogroms against Jews. Right. uh, In these cities, uh, are dealt by the police and MAGAV, the border uh, patrol. Um, My feeling is these forces, because of the scale of the events, are not enough. We called upon the Prime Minister and the Chief of Staff to mobilize also units of the army to assist them. It's not happening at the moment. It's not an easy decision to make. But I can tell you that already uh, half a year ago, we told the Prime Minister that the internal threat is getting much bigger I would say even from many external threats, and there is need of shift of uh, manpower from the ground forces of the IDF to the police and uh, the border uh, Mm -hmm. patrol uh, unit, Magav, and this will have to happen because we have seen for two years. Bedouins in the Negev, Arabs in the Galil, and in the mixed cities like Lod, Lod rioting more and more and more, getting more and more munition. By the way, being very aggressive towards themselves, many, many killings within the Arab society. But when you have a society that has a lot of killing inside it, and they have a lot of munition, and they are incited, and and many of them hate Jews, it comes as no surprise that we're seeing what we're seeing now, and we need to kill it fast. We need to bring as many units, and if we need to bring the army, bring the army and deal with it. Uh, just as, by the way, as it's done in the States. I mean, in the States, you have the National Guard, and if you need to mobilize the National Guard right. to Portland or to other places when there are riots, you do so.
0: Yeah. Somebody commented on the uh somebody commented on our app um about I, I I guess based on a comment you made about acting morally and defensively. Um I, I have to address the moral issue for a moment. Uh because some people roll their eyes and are skeptical when they hear this. We are told that when that residential building in Gaza was attacked by the Israeli Air Force that warning after warning after warning after warning was given to the residents in many different forms by drone by telephone by other communication was give, warnings were given to the residents of that building to make sure to get out because it is going to be attacked is there any do you have any difficulty believing that
1: no this is exactly the policy, but I want to talk about morality. what is the IDF morality the morality of the IDF and this is the right thing to do, is first of all, we are we must, must do everything to defend our citizens. Yep. This is the first uh, thing. The second thing is that we must do everything to defend our soldiers. Right. Only then, we must do all that is possible to try to minimize civilian casualties among the Palestinians. This is not so easy because... The terrorists use them as human shields. They hide behind them. They put the installations in schools and in mosques and inside buildings. This is the way they operate. They operate within the uh, uh, civilian areas. So what the IDF does, they uh, tell the civilians that there is going to be an attack. They give them plenty of time to leave the area and once we we see that uh we, we uh, they left and we can attack we attack we, we but but you know if somebody stays if somebody chooses to stay yeah. um
0: they were warned there will be casualties. yeah they were warned
1: it's going to happen
0: right. over 1700 high ranking israeli reserve officers commanders and operators from the idf mossad shinbet and Israeli police are p- part of Habit Chonistin, Israel's defense and security forum. Did you have any trouble recruiting? Did you get to 1,700 pretty easily?
1: Well, actually, it's more than 2,000 now. Wow. And I want to tell you something about this. I started building the organization in January. It wasn't founded in January, but I started dealing with it in January last year. And maybe a week or two weeks after I approached maybe seven first generals, you know, and talked to them, and they, they said, okay, let's join together and with this organization, uh, the prime minister announced that he intends to to apply sovereignty in the Jordan Valley. It was even before uh, Trump's plan, a, w- a few weeks before. Right. So we prepared the logo very fast. By the way, pretty much <laughs> the same logo we have today.
0: All right.
1: And we sent a letter to Prime Minister Netanyahu saying the Bitcoinist movement uh, supports your initiative to apply sovereignty to the Jordan Valley. This will secure Israel for generations to come. And the impact of this letter was amazing. There were tens of thousands of shares, and I got Hundreds of telephones from officers from all over Israel, asking me, "What is a We want to join." Finally, we hear common sense. Finally, we hear the right uh, approach to national security. Within a month, we had 300 officers, and uh, and that was before we had platforms, before we had Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, English, Hebrew, and so on, um, and then now we are more than 2,000, and we're growing about 100 a month, something like that.
0: People love truth, and people who serve in the defense of the state of Israel love truth even more. I think that that's part of it, frankly.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm telling you that we are going to make a huge, huge impact, and we are making a huge impact on Israel. And we intend to make a huge impact on uh, the Jewish world. Um, we are now, uh, at the moment, briefing all over the media. Me, myself, I had like five interviews in the TV since the morning and all the way to the night. But we have 2,000 people, so we are able to send many officers to many places to educate, to speak in the media, to visit and so on so our, our our ability to really make a difference is growing by the day
0: and and i have to say your board and your advisory board is made up of men and women your whole leadership team is made up of men and women a very impressive i mean i i'm going you know i'm an american you know, uh, who who follows the news from Israel. And a lot of these names are very familiar to me. You have a very impressive, it's not just 2,000 people, it's among those 2,000 people are people of great influence and tremendous reputation in Israel.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. We have very, very prominent uh, generals, uh, both men and women. Um, but the thing I'm most proud of, you know, it's, it's really really nice to build an organization only of high-ranking officers, and we have many of those. What I'm proud of is that we are a movement, is mm-hmm. that we are embracing also students and pre-Army programs and young officers. And sometimes, you know, when we go and speak, for example, in a high school, and we had uh, two weeks ago uh, talks in a high school, we had seven briefings at the same time. Now, on one side, you had two or three generals talking. On the other side, you had young women who were company commanders or lieutenants. And they did much better than us, by the way, (laughs) because, you know, they're much younger. They're much connected to the youngsters and speak their language uh, very well. So the ability to bring in young youngsters and young people, this is what keeps us young generally but also uh, in touch with what's going on and not like a Lord house of disconnected people who just think about their glorious past. This is not us.
0: Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, I, again, everybody, I highly recommend we support financially, not just with words, support Habit I've done it already today. My family now can be considered supporters, and I hope everybody out there joins us in doing so go to habitronistim.com. it's Israel's defense and security forum and if this week doesn't prove how critical and vital they are I don't know what week does uh, habithonistim.com h-a-b-i-t like habit H yeah we should make it a habit <laughs> of defending Israel h-a-b-i-t h-o-n-i-s-t-i-m habitronistim.com. Uh, General, I, I beg of you, the next time you're in the United States, uh, make time for us. Please come visit us in Manhattan. I'd love to have a conversation with you face-to-face where we can explore so many of the issues that you brought up today.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It was fascinating, and I'm looking forward to for our next meeting.
0: We care, and you should know that that this audience, at least this audience, I think others also in the United States and in the diaspora, are praying for the safety and security of our brothers and sisters in Israel, right? Bitachon is security. Bitachon is also faith in the one above. And I have a feeling that you and your colleagues understand that. I think it sounds like you, you understand that there's a uh, a higher force that helps protect us. And we also pray for the IDF and the IAF, that they're able to deter and defeat the enemy in these very, very challenging times. b'alacha. thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank
1: you very much. Thank you.
0: That is uh, CEO and founder of Habit Chonistim, Brigadier General Amir Avivi. Wednesday morning broadcast, you're listening to JM in the AM.